everyone, and welcome to Good and Glory Podcast. I'm your host, Brittany Coburn. This is a place where we will talk all things Jesus, how to love Him, be like Him, and walk in a way worthy of His name. I'm really excited to spend some time with you today. Hey friends, I'm glad you joined me today. If you haven't already noticed, many of my opening stories involve my kids mainly because I'm with them 24-7, and honestly, I think they're the most amazing little people. They crack me up. Today is no different. I wanted to share a moment that stopped many of my friends' hearts on Instagram recently. I have a brother who's ten and a half years younger than I am, and he lives in the mountains of North Carolina. We don't get to see him often as we would like, and when he does come home, my kids soak up every single moment they possibly can. He is one of their favorite people. He was recently in town and had both kids by the Lego table creating all sorts of things. David Glenn, who wants to capitalize on every single moment he gets with his people, quickly decided that he needed to pause building so that they could have a boxing match in the playroom. They quickly made their way upstairs and I took advantage of playtime with Uncle Sam to get some writing done. As I'm writing, I hear laughter thuds, and screams. Typical of a boxing match in this house. After a good portion of time passed, I needed to let them know we had to leave soon to make our way to my parents' house. I ran up the stairs to find my hideaway bed pulled out with a mound of pillows stacked on it. My brother, being the super fun uncle that he is, was tossing the kids high into the air into backflips and seeing how many times they could flip before landing on the pillow. Before he saw me, I heard him exclaim, Guys, maybe we shouldn't do this many more times. You guys are going pretty high. If Uncle Sam says they should stop, that's a good sign they should stop. But they each had to show me their trick one time. This trick made it to Insta stories, and I have had several moms tell me, My heart stopped when I saw Joe flip. I guess helping raise Sam has me quite used to his antics. Hmm. So, moving on, let's chat about Jesus and what is ruling our lives. In the fall, we started studying James with our college students. James is a book that I have read and loved many times, but doing a study of it really opened my eyes more to what is being said and what we are called to do as Christ followers. When you first read the book, it seems harsh and full of of do's and don'ts. A book of how awful we are and how we'll never make it because of our humanness. The more I studied it, though, the more I realized that all James was doing was laying out a way of life that was happier, easier to follow, led to more fulfilled life. He wasn't laying out rules and telling you that you are worthless because you can't follow them. He was laying out a plan for being able to walk closely with Christ. You do this and this will happen. But if you follow this, well, life will be more fulfilled, worth something, because you have a Savior who is King walking with you. The gospel is really that simple. You love Jesus and you love those around you. Focus on those two things and you get the other stuff right. We as humans make it more complicated. We add rules and regulations. We break them and then we think we can't get it right, so we walk away. Loving Jesus includes spending time with him in prayer, reading his word, 
recognizing that he is king of kings and we have the privilege to follow and spend time with him. Loving others means giving of yourself and making sure that you guard your tongue. Don't kill the most frustrating of humans. Don't cheat and lie. Everything really is that simple. Though I would love to go over the entire book of James, it would really take a long time and we can't fit that into 15 minutes. Instead, we are going to look at one passage, James 2, 1 through 10. It says, My brothers and sisters, do not show prejudice if you possess faith in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ. For if someone comes into your assembly wearing a gold ring and fine clothing, and a poor person enters in filthy clothes, do you pay attention to the one who is finely dressed and say, You sit here in a good place. And to the poor person, you stand over there or sit on the floor. If so, have you not made distinctions among yourselves and become judges with evil motives? Listen, my dear brothers and sisters, did not God choose the poor in the world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom that he promised to those who love him? But you have dishonored the poor. Are not the rich oppressing you and dragging you into the courts? Do they not blaspheme the good name of the one you belong to? But if you fulfill the royal law as expressed in this scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. You are doing well. But if you show prejudice, you are committing sin and are convicted by the law as violators. For the one who obeys the whole law but fails in one point has become guilty of it all. I attended church when I was one week old. I don't remember it at all, obviously. But when I say that I've been in church my whole life, I have been in church my whole life. That being said, I've seen a lot. I've observed a lot because that's what I do. Another fun fact, I love knowing the workings of the church. Why that particular leadership does one thing over another. If someone raises their hand in salvation, what's the next step? Or is there one? Except we could keep going on about what I love about knowing how things run in the church. I ask a lot of questions. Not to be nosy, but because I want to know how we're working to grow the kingdom and to make disciples. I've been in churches that put emphasis on the rich. They're the elders of the church. They make all the decisions. And if they sin, they aren't called out because that money they provide when they tithe is very much needed. And so we don't want to ruffle any feathers. James is speaking out against that very thing. The rich have it hard in the Bible. Jesus called out many rich. In Matthew 19, the rich young man came to Jesus and asked, What good thing must I do to gain eternal life? Jesus knows this man's heart right away. He tells him, Keep my commandments. And then he lists a few of them. I can imagine this young man feeling pride swelling in his chest. So far, he's good. He replies, I do these things faithfully. Anything else else I'm missing? Jesus knew the heart of this man. He knew him personally because he's Jesus. And he knew the idols in his life. So he spoke into the one thing that was keeping him from entering into heaven. Jesus replied, Sell everything you have and give your money to the poor. The young man walked away because he couldn't do it. He loved his money, his status, what his money provided for him. In verse 23, Jesus says to his disciples, I tell you the truth. 
It will be hard for a rich person to enter the kingdom of heaven. Again, I say it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. Let me pause here. If God has blessed you financially, I'm not calling you out. So please do not turn off this podcast, but let's keep chatting. God gives good gifts to his children. It's what they do with their gifts and how they allow them to control them that's the problem. In James, he recognizes that tendency to show favor towards those with money, those who dress nicely and those who look clean and put together. We all do it, but we're called to treat all men equally. We are all heirs of Christ, and if we favor the rich above all, We're missing many of the people around us that deserve the salvation of Christ. I think back on different groups my mom was part of growing up. I don't remember groups of women with lots of money going on shopping trips and large vacations. I remember Bible studies and times of prayer between women who were part of single-income families. They didn't desire wealth and status. They desired Jesus and getting to know Him better. Remembering this helps me to realize that those without substantial amounts of money have to put their trust somewhere. They can't just run out and buy everything they want. They budget, and they're thankful for what they have. They have the time to focus on Jesus and listening to Him because they need Him to guide and direct them. When you have been blessed with an abundance of money, you have to steward it well. You must control it and not let it control you. When your focus shifts to everything you have and what you don't have and what you need, you are being controlled by money. When you're more concerned with the things others have and how you dress and act the same and the things you need to purchase to meet the same standards, you are being controlled by money. You are no longer choosing relationships based on the quality of the person, but because of your shared financial status or because you want to learn from them so that you can achieve the same financial status they have. I know people who have money, but they have their minds set on Christ and would be willing to give it all away just to follow him. But I've also known people like the rich young man who were more obsessed with what they had and the status that it brought them, and they probably could never part with it. Jesus isn't calling out the rich because anyone with money is bad and gets an automatic ticket to hell. He's calling them out because they must work harder to keep a Christ mindset and a good portion of them, they're going to fail. James is calling out those in the church who show preference and treat the ones without money as scum. I've visited churches that would have asked me to sit in the back or even leave if I walked in wearing my workout clothes that's turned paint clothes and I hadn't showered, and I needed to put on makeup and brush my hair. I've also attended a church that met in a brewery in a downtown in the city, so that anyone who passed by and wondered what was going on could enter. I watched homeless come in and get warm, and they were welcomed and not only heard the word of God, but saw and enacted by the way they were treated. Having money is not a sin. How you treat the people around you because of your money can be. Having money It's not a sin, but how you let it control you, your thoughts, and your actions, it can be. Showing preference to those with money is most definitely a sin. We find that in James. We are to love our neighbor, 
the rich neighbor with a big pool that we can use anytime, as well as the poor neighbor who isn't quite sure where their next meal is coming from. We need to spend time with those who may not have a lot and listen to them. I bet there is a lot of wisdom to be shared. Life lessons are learned when you must work hard for something. A close relationship with Christ is achieved when you have nothing else to focus on. Like I've already stated, being financially well off is absolutely not a sin. The problem comes in when you are more reliant on your money to save you than the king of kings to save you. If you find that you are pushing the people and activities away that were drawing you closer to Christ, all for the name of having more or achieving more, then money has most likely become your God in the place of Jesus. Matthew 6, 24 says, No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be deviated to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. God knew our heart from the beginning. He knew that things and money would be our downfall. And he warns multiple times throughout scripture where we put our focus and what has our attention, it's where our heart is. When you think through your life at this current moment, what is holding your attention? Are you spending time with Christ in scripture and in prayer? Are you spending time with people who push you towards Christ? And are you giving of your time and money to advance the kingdom? Or do you find yourself focused on the things you have? Are you wrapped up in getting more, obtaining more status? Do you work longer hours and neglect those around you all in the name of financial security? Take evaluation. Ask God to search you and know you, to point out any areas where your financial status is taking a position in your life that only God can do. Ask him to point out if you're showing favoritism to those with money and ignoring those who may not have a lot. Psalms 49 talks about the rich and what happens when they die. It's sombering. Verse 17 says, For he will take nothing with him when he dies. His wealth will not follow him down into the grave. What you put your heart into matters. How you are using your blip of time on this earth matters. Are you using it to matter and to end up spending eternity with Christ? Or are you focused on things and money that will not be able to go with you when you end your blip here and start eternity elsewhere? How you spend your blip. It matters greatly. Thanks for spending a few minutes with me today. If you like what you heard, please subscribe and give me a review where you listen to podcasts. I also ask that you share this podcast with your friends and family. If you think they need to hear it, share it. It's as simple as hitting the share button and then sending it in a text. Or take a screenshot and share it on social media. I would greatly appreciate it. You can find me on social media at Good and Glory Podcast. Please give me a follow. Until next time, may the grace of Jesus be with you.